on this episode of AV Week, the pent-up demand for in-person events and how that's going to impact us, the effects of the latest CARES Act on the economics of the industry, and looking at real-time translation and AI. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 502, recorded Friday, April 2nd, 2021. Digital. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. And by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, we have an all-star cast. First and foremost, Charmaine Torella from New York City, and also our friends over at Barracks. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you, and hello. Uh, we will stay in the great Empire State and the Empire City. Dan Friese is also in New York, uh, works for uh, Sound and Communications Magazine. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. And last but not least, a young man that I still keep trying to get on, and he's has too much fun uh, over there, Herman. Uh, Chris Beyonce, welcome, sir. Well, thank you, and thank you for the young man comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all relative, dude. It is all relative. Uh, all right. First story comes to us from, actually, our website. Uh, PSNI Global Alliance was um, their their uh, super summit was this week. Uh, full disclosure, I was there. I was I, I uh, host the event, uh, MC the event. And it was interesting uh, because um, Chris and, and Tommy and, and Haley Klein, a uh, great group of folks over there, um, they put on a more than 24-hour event. And, and I'll put it this way, because uh, PSNI has grown globally, they did uh, a section in APAC, and then they time-shifted in this section in, in EMEA, uh, and then a section in, uh, in the Western Hemisphere, basically, right? You've got you know, North America and South America. But that part is is really important because one of their one of their their vendors one of their partners uh, is a company called Williams uh, AV and Williams has a new product out called Convey Video. This is what it does and, and and it's 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 translation and it's it's closed captioning right. Nothing crazy new there right. We've been doing that for you. However, it's in real time <laughs> and it's in multi languages. So that right there it, it is what really got me. Um, and so if you were watching the, the, the uh, um, you know, if you were able to see this in action and you can go, I'm sure you can find a, a Williams rep, um, but it's leveraging Google AI and darn near perfect. You know, it's, it's obviously there's some lag time because you got to go up to the cloud, you got to come down, but it is really, really slick. Charmaine, this is using some AI as well as, as obviously some machine learning, the same algorithms that, that Google has been messing around with. Um, for a number of years, both with their, you know, their, um, uh, their technology for smart speakers and, and learning, you know, kind of the, the languages. Where else do we see, Charmaine, you know, AI being leveraged? Um, and what do we think about this kind of real-time translation tool? Hey, um, AI is being leveraged with a lot of enterprises nowadays. Now, I worked at another previous integrator that did the United Nations integration. Mm. Right, which we had to integrate translation boxes and rooms to translate for those different emissaries that would come for the general assembly. 
and it was very costly. A lot of companies now are looking to do something like that and find a more cost effective way. And when I saw this, I was like, I'm glad that this is here because now a lot of clients are asking questions. Oh, what, what about this? You have a lot of enterprise clients with a big global presence, especially in the pharmaceutical world. They're looking to do something like this. That's going to be huge to the financial. So those types of industries that have a huge presence across the world and would like to do this not only for their internal staffers, but also for the supply chain and the people they manage outside. So this is uh, going to have a very heavy People are going to, and it's using, the engine is Google. Uh, need I say more? You know, everybody knows that when you go to translate something, most people go to Google Translate anyway. And it's the mo one of the most effective AIs in terms of translation. And this is just a sweet way of utilizing that engine in a cost-effective manner to create this solution. So I see so much promise in this. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of questions after this and <laughs> as we're going to do this for our organization. So, yeah. Dan, talk for a second about the number of organizations that are trying to expand globally. You know, obviously, PSNI has done that. You have the Global Alliance that are that are that are doing um, GPA uh, that is um, expanding globally. And then you have companies like ABIXPL um, and HB Communications and some others that are also expanding globally, and they're 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 following their clients, right? Certainly, uh, and supporting their clients, but they're also once they get to the country that they're not originally from, they're finding other, you know, other clients as well. Talk for a second about something that Charmaine that said there about being able to utilize this for translation and to support customers and clients that in countries that maybe you're not a native speaker. Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely applicable to that kind of situation. And you, much like me, probably are inundated with emails talking about organizations expanding outward, as you say, striking up strategic partnerships with distributors or manufacturing, et cetera, expanding their global footprint. And I think this is certainly aces for that. And I was looking in particular at the, at the coverage you did, 27 languages, 70 plus dialects, 94% accuracy. These are really eye-popping numbers. And whether you are an integrator who is looking to expand, as you say, into countries with non-English speakers where you need to be able to communicate in virtual real time uh, without a whole lot of lag, without a delay, without having to hire a human translator to do it in real time, which obviously is much more expensive. I think this uh, it's tremendously useful. Yeah. Chris, um, Herman has, has been part of uh, ADI for um, about six, nine months now. Um, 13 months. 13 months. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's right. okay, yeah. Sorry, dude. 2020 was anyhow. Yeah, it's gone. It was, it was so long ago. Uh, um, 13 months. Good Lord. Um, you guys are a multinational corporation as well. Talk for a second, both internally, but also ways that you can help that help your clients, you know, put this into, into their client systems. So, you know, it's, uh, so this is the first time I've actually heard about this particular product and I'm like just blown away by the capabilities because, you know, the AV industry hasn't really, stepped into the world of AI just yet, you know? So this to me might be uh, something that starts, you know, much more of a bigger trend, so to speak, which is gonna be interesting. Um, you know, for our own company, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it'll be pretty interesting because again, we operate in 19 different countries. Um, and it's, I've, I've been on numerous calls where, you know, fortunately it seems everybody's learned English in, uh, in our organization, or at least the ones at least take the phone calls. But I'm sure, uh, you know, as we continue to expand and grow, um, you know, ADI, obviously their global focus has been around the security, uh, you know, world, but now 
with you know acquiring us and wanting to push on the AV side of the business, you know, we will see in the future, you know, some growth as far as uh, international play as well. So um, it's going to be going to going to be an interesting ride the next few years, watching what AI and how it transforms uh, the AV industry. Well, and there's a there's a larger conversation there, and it, I I I've, I've referred to myself as a big dumb American for a number of years because that's just kind of how I feel. I I understand what I don't know, right? And as I've gotten to been been blessed to, to connect with other members of the AV industry from around the world, it is remarkable how many different languages uh, folks who are not in the U.S. Uh, do indeed speak, and uh, thankfully they landed on English. Um, because otherwise, those of us who do travel the world would would have to learn um, uh, other languages. Now, I'm I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of Spanish, but I'm also um, knock on wood I, I'm picking up I'm pick, I'm starting Mandarin Chinese, uh, and it don't it's I started I said I'd started basically I I bought the the Rosetta Stone you know subscription for it and I've gone through one one two lessons, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, we are we are very blessed and thankful here in the U.S. But that, that people did happen to learn and land on English. So, all right, uh, next story actually comes to us from Sound of Communications. Dan, you guys did a, a webinar with a number of folks, including Shore um, Peter uh, Hansen uh, from Avixa. We've, we've interviewed a number of times, and also uh, Venable. And you're looking at uh, you looked at rather um, how this latest um, this latest COVID um, act is going to impact. Uh, the commercial side of the AV industry. Talk for a second about the, the the one or two things that you guys pulled from that, and you know, not just from the, a vertical standpoint, but also from a, from a, a macroeconomic standpoint. Yeah, um, we thought it was really important to explore because a lot of us are familiar with you know things like the fourteen hundred dollars survival checks, how it affects us individually. But that's really just a very small piece of the overall puzzle. And when you look at the broad scope of the one point nine trillion dollar package it's gonna have big effects on the macro economy and on commercial AV in particular. We're talking about $350 billion in state and local aid, many of which is gonna to go to hard hit industries like tourism, hospitality. Talking about the um, elementary and secondary uh, school emergency relief fund, got almost $125 billion. Higher education relief fund, $40 billion. And of course the uh, shuttered venue operators grant, more commonly known as Save Our Stages, got an infusion of $1.25 billion. So these are funds that are gonna be going to, whether they're venue operators who haven't been able to have live events in 12, 13 months, schools that are trying to build out their remote learning and hybrid learning capabilities. I mean, obviously a lot of these funds are gonna to go toward things like ventilation systems for schools and financial aid grants for students and things like that. But money will be filtering down to verticals that are of critical importance to the commercial AV industry. And again, I mentioned some of them hospitality, education, live events. And we also tried in the course of the webinar to clarify that PPP has been extended. I think it's now extended through May, if I have my dates correct. And if you're a, a venue operator or you know a venue stakeholder and you're applying for that SVOG money, you also can apply for PPP. That's something that was additionally uh, enacted as part of this legislation. So there are a lot of different avenues in which, whether you're an integrator, whether you're a venue operator, whatever the case might be, where you can give yourself the leg up until we get through this. Well, the other thing I want to point out here is also there was a, a, a provision in there, and maybe maybe it's part of one of these that you pointed out. $170 billion, by the way, is what he just added up there for you. Um, there's a provision in there for restaurants, uh, to to provide uh, relief for them, and, and what's important about that is is nothing against my chains, right? And and don't hate on me if, you, if you, this is not a statement about chain restaurants, 
but it is specifically designed for local, locally owned establishments. You have to have less than 10 locations for this to apply to you. Um, and it is a relief for lost, lost revenue year over year. So what you made in 2019 and what you didn't make in 2020, you know, you can, you can use that to kind of shore up and that hopefully will uh, allow a lot of these venues to come back, um, and provide and, 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 you know, do some, some renovations. Like Dan said, a lot of it's going to be, you know, HVAC and, and health and safety, but a lot of it will also be other things as well that you guys and, and, and gals can can certainly uh, hone in on. Uh, Chris, from from your perspective, when you're talking with your clients, what does this look like to them? And, and are they aware of a lot of these things? Yeah, I don't know if everybody's all aware of everything. Um, you know, when you put out a document that's 1600 pages of government D's, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people pay attention to all the details of that. Um, you know, what's, what's been interesting is a, a, a side note of, of you know, the, all these dollars that are going to go directly into different, you know, industries. Uh, the fact that the money that they're spending to accelerate, you know, getting people, uh, you know, vaccinated right now, I think is, is one of the most critical parts of all this. Um, from my customers to standpoints, they're waiting for their customers to get back into their offices and into their buildings. Um, I mean, it is uh, greatly slowed down, obviously, the commercial business for, you know, installation work and being, uh, being an installation, you know, arm for a lot of these companies, you know, we've, we've, we've definitely have felt it over the past uh, year. Uh, what we're hoping, you know, though, is, you know, this is going to accelerate, get people back in, um, you know, in the past month, you know, we've seen um, like our service work uh, has gone almost back to pre-COVID levels, wow. uh, which is telling me that, you know, people are starting to want to get their offices spruced back up and get people back in, um, which was interesting because, you know, we, <laughs> We've gotten, you know, we, we generally probably do 100 to 120 calls per month. Uh, I can tell you probably last July we did like six. I mean, it didn't really just, our service work had just dropped off, but, you know, nobody's, they're not in their buildings. So, yeah. you know, we, we need to get people back in their offices, uh, you know, and then I think there's going to be, a, a, I think the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot of people maybe uh, not have a need for more space, but how to make their spaces much more efficient and redesigning the type of space. Uh, you know, I've been kind of telling my folks and talking with some customers, you know, the day of the presentation room is probably going away. People will less refer to them as conference rooms and more as collaboration rooms, because I think you're going to find a lot more people, uh, you know, they've, they've moved out of the cities. They may not want to come into the office. And, you know, I think we've kind of proven now everybody doesn't have to be sitting in the office anymore. I mean, with this technology of Zoom and Teams and everything, it's transformed our business. I mean, it was interesting. We were Pre-COVID, we were looking at a new facility, more space, this, that, and the other thing. Mm, now I can get about 50% of my workforce, you know, working at home, uh, you know, from an office standpoint um, and not have to expand. But we are looking at better ways of using the space that we have. So pretty Real quickly, have you guys seen any movement? Um, there, there's a couple stories that came out. One, one was this week, one was last week. Um, both Google and Microsoft are actually accelerating their back to work. Um, and, and they're, they're adjusting kind of what they're looking at as, as hybrid and Mitchell, I'll get you the, the link to the, one of the stories here, uh, so you can put it on the, on the episode site, but it, it was, it was, it was Microsoft and Google specifically, and they're looking at May as yeah. opposed to like Facebook and Twitter are, which are still holding to the July. Does that make any, does that move anything for you guys or any of your clients, Chris? Yeah, well, it would be yeah wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's interesting right now. We we actually have been hired. We have two clients um, that have us going into their customers, doing uh, evaluations of all the systems. You know, to see where 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 they're at because they haven't used them in a year. 
You know, yeah. are the systems still functional? Do they need to make upgrades? Things of that nature. So they're trying to take stock of what they've got and, and uh, look at the, uh, you know, upgrades. So, you know, could use a few more of those, but uh, it is, it is interesting, but I think that's right now going to be crucial. Um, you know, obviously the job report came out yesterday, um, you know, which was good to see, you know, unemployment going down a little bit. So things are, are coming back and uh, hopefully they come back quick. All right. Charmaine, from your standpoint, actually, Chris just gave everybody here that's an integrator uh, an idea for a, a new, uh, a new uh, business line. And that's post COVID preventive maintenance, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so thank you, sir, uh, from, for, from all of us. Um, uh, but call Chris first before you do that. Um, right. <laughs> Charmaine, um, your clients, right. Um, you work a lot in, in it and, and in tech. Um, what are they seeing coming out of, of this this latest uh, relief package? Well, what they're seeing is the reshuffling of the workforce. Um, mm -hmm. Interesting about what you read is what happened also this week was Forrester uh, hosted by Bluescape, right? They did an event uh, talking about the you know future of meetings and mm -hmm. hybrid work and the research that they've done into that and what they're seeing from the many clients that they manage. So they came up with this new word, which I thought was interesting, fidgetal. <laughs> Physical plus digital, fidgetal. Uh, P-H-Y, digital, you know, fidgetal. So um, the thing is they did a poll where they pulled a lot of, uh, you know, enterprise workers, just workers in general in businesses. And a lot of them, want to come back to the office. It's not whether they have to or not. There's a desire for them um, to come back to the office. So the organizations that I'm working with, they understand that desire and they're reshuffling the workforce in a way to make it possible for them to have a choice, an option, you know, not to stay away for forever. Most people are not looking to do that because most people honestly want to run away from home. They don't want to be it's locked in their houses anymore. And they definitely want the kids to go back to the school so they don't have to do multiple things at the same time as work. So the reshuffling of the workplace is what a lot of clients are doing. So I'm working with clients now that are reimagining uh, the size of the conference room or adding a couple of more. I'm also on the service side dealing with a lot of clients that are wanting to not touch as many things that want to use managed services and AI as a way to just turn things on, start a meeting, uh, adjust, you know, add this, do this. Um, so there's a reshuffling and a recalibration that's happening amongst clients now. And now is now what's happening is I'm starting to see a bottleneck of requests, which in working with someone like Herman will eventually filter down to Herman. And I'm looking out for you, Chris, it's coming. Um, okay. To filter out Terman and and help us, you know, get the hands that a lot of AV companies don't have. So what's important also is um, a lot of clients are looking for those extra hands staffing. Um, so I'm finding myself in situations where I'm providing temporary or you know part time staffers to help them with the AV management of the technology because for some reason you know either they had to let go their shared services team or they had to minimize their workforce. Now they're looking to the AV world to really supplement what they're lacking and help get everything ready for when everyone starts going back in. All right, that actually leads right out, right nicely into our last story from our friends over at AV Magazine. Here is the, so the story is, is there's a, 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 a European-wide research uh, that was done on post-COVID activities. 
The interesting part to me is that it was commissioned by Epson, the projector folks, and they make other stuff too, but here in the AV industry, we, we think of them mostly as, as projectors and, and um, projected mapping. You actually have some really, really innovative um, technology for, for you know, light and, and visual art. The study, though, revealed that 83% of people are planning to go back to the same or greater number of events once lockdown restrictions are lifted. This is from the, the, one of the professors that helped with the, with the study, uh, Professor Taylor. It's clear that the overwhelming, quote, unquote, it's clear that the overwhelming majority are eager to resume their pre-pandemic social lives, including attending live experiential events. Chris, God love him for doing this. Um, I, I'm with the majority there. What does this mean, though, for the industry? What What does this mean? Is this? Charmaine just said, you know, there's a bottleneck. I'm keep I keep hearing from dealers and from from other folks that there is a there is this pent up demand, and, and not yet, not yet, but there is there is a demand here that that certainly feels palpable towards the second half of this year. What does this mean, though, as folks you know do start getting vaccinated? This this pandemic does start getting under control. What does this mean for the industry? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because most of the largest players in the AV industry, you know, have told us they have record backlog that they've ever had jobs they've been sitting on for months and months and months. And as you know, as with all clients, the minute things are ready to get back to normal, they're all going to want it all at once. You know? And, um, you know, there's a tremendous amount of optimism, you know, unlike when we came out of uh, 2008, 2009, you know, we had a huge economic you know, downturn, things came back, but they came back you know, over 2010, 11, 12, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty gradual. It's, it's almost a little scary because I think you're going to run into a few issues around um, not only labor supplies being, you know, uh, much tighter than they've been in the past, but also just getting equipment. Um, you know, we're right now seeing, you know, especially being a, a distributor as well. Um, you know, we've got a lot of, a lot of manufacturers that are, are just backlogged right now on equipment and, you know, here it is. This is month end for us. And we're like, how much are we pushing out the door? And we're going, there's a lot of orders that are just not going to make it right now because, you know, of inventory levels being as low as they are. So it is going to be an interesting second half of the year. Um, I'm anxiously awaiting it. Um, but, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of, a lot of end users are going to have to wait because, you know, there's a one limited resource in our industry and that's people who know what the heck they're doing with AV. Um, and even some of those aren't very good at it. So we have to, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm um, not anybody I know, but um Chris Bianche. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. We all know it's just nobody wants to say it out loud. Uh, and we know who those are too. That's that's the ones we don't we don't call. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's it's yeah, it, there's a lot, there's a lot coming here, and I, I think it's gonna be very welcomed, but it is gonna create a whole set of other, you know, issues in our industry, there's no question. All right, really quickly, Charmaine, before I get to you, one thing that, that Chris mentioned there, I don't want it to go to just kind of fly by there is an inventory issue right now uh, and it's being, it's being exacerbated by two things. There is a chip shortage, which you may or may not have read. It's impacting everybody from cars to electronics. Right. And then, then yes, cars are electronics too, but you, but the, it's impacting everybody. Right. The second thing is there's a backlog at the ports. I don't care what country you're living in right now. There's a backlog at your port. Um, talking with a manufacturer this morning and, and, and they've got a new product coming down the, the pipeline. And I, I simply asked them because this is what we do is, okay, this is cool, groovy, you know, what's, what's the, the, the list price? Okay, when, when do you expect to see it? 
quote unquote, we should see it the first the first part or second part of May, but it's on the water now. So we really don't know. Meaning it's on a boat somewhere between here and there. And once it gets to port, it's got to get off that boat. So there are end users, be, have patience with your fantastic integrators uh, and with their manufacturers, because there, there's a lot of stuff that is coming from outside the country that is on a boat right now uh, waiting to get offloaded. Um, Charmaine, same kind of question here. What, what, is, what is this, this seeming pen, seemingly pent-up demand uh, to get back and, and have experiences mean for our industry? Well, it means for our industry that we're also going to have to look at those non-chip items, right? Mm. Items like, you know, the, you know, and, you know, we resellers are waiting for that slow boat from China to whatever port to come and bring us our equipment, right? But the client isn't. So the clients are like, okay, Teams, Zoom, this, that, they're going, that's where it's going, right? And on the AV side, we have to go right along with it. So, mm. you know, being able to work with those solutions and also provide them. I mean, AV works with them great no problem all the time. But now AV is not used to just being the sole provider of them, right? Usually it's, oh, okay, the client gets it through Microsoft and whatever. And for the big enterprise clients who directly work with those types of uh, manufacturers and providers, no problem. But there's also the small and mid-market people who don't necessarily have that luxury, right? So they need someone that can do that for them. There are IT people that resell Microsoft, Zoom, whatever. But AV can do it as well. And, and until that boat comes in, um, AV can start getting into that and immerse itself more into that world, which is also, there are other solutions coming right behind it that they're going to have to start, you know, you know, getting used to because other manufacturers are jumping on that ship as well. So that's where the AV world has to start embracing. Also network cloud. They have to start embracing that more. You know, it's been hard for AV to start embracing that. Network is going to be a big part of that. It's now time to hug network and, and make them your mistress um, <laughs> because um, clients are going to be looking for that uh, knowledge on our side. Um, again, if their other integrator doesn't necessarily have that knowledge and on some respects, their normal integrators, IT, don't always. So AV can also come into that and embrace that and make it one more point, less point of access, right? Yeah. Handle most of what you need. So it's right, time to make network your mistress. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a bit past that time, just, just for the record, but it's a different conversation. Um, Dan, the last word on this, what, what does this pent up demand need mean for the industry? I mean, I think it, it augurs very well for us because, and I think a lot of it has to do with how Avixa has positioned us over the last three or four years as experience creators, that we're not mm. just integrators anymore, we're memory makers, we're smile generators, we're storytellers, we are the creator of memorable experiences. And if that's what people are demanding, if that's what people are saying, we're, we're depressed, we're sad, we haven't gotten out of the house, what we want is in-person experiences. If we're now positioned as an industry as experienced facilitators and memory makers, and we know how to create indelible impressions that you want to tell your kids about and your kids are going to want to tell their friends about, um, that we're positioned in that way, I think, is uh, certainly beneficial to us. And I, I agree with the thesis of the piece, which is that I think people are going to go back to life 
pretty much as it was once this pandemic passes. I don't think this is going to be something that's going to change the trajectory of, of human society. I think when people realize the vaccines work, that they're durable, that they give durable immunity that's going to protect you for six months, a year, maybe more than that, people are going to realize, yes, let's go to a theme park, let's go to a concert, let's go to a stand-up comedy show. Um, and they're going to embrace living life. And AV integrators are now, I think, positioned as facilitators of giving you the experiences you want when you're living life outside the house. I think it's a, it's a, you know, an enviable place to be. I, I like the, the, the memory, memory maker part of that. Absolutely. That that's really, really cool. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you all. Uh, Charmaine Torella from barracks. Welcome, ma'am. No, th thank you, ma'am. Welcome. It's you. been a long week. How, how do people connect with you? You can find me on LinkedIn by spelling out my name, Charmaine Torella. I work for Varix and also on Twitter, if you spell out my name as well. All right, very good. Mr. Farisi, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or Sound and Communications? Sure, you can go to soundandcommunications.com or you can find us on Twitter at the handle uh, Sound and Com. We've been much more active on Twitter lately, so interact with us. We'll interact with you and uh, be much more social than we have been. You have been incredibly more social. I have noticed that. And and and, and just enough snarky to, to fit in with, with Twitter. I just want to point that out. So good for you guys. Uh, and Mr. Bianche, thank you, sir. Oh, my pleasure. Um, find me on LinkedIn or uh, at uh, herman-is.com. Very good. Uh, for us, for AV Nation, go by our website. Uh, don't follow me on the Twitters. Um, I, this is my annual statement of, I don't like baseball, even though I live in St. Louis. Uh, I really don't. And, and it's the Cardinals and I know and I get it. And my wife yells at me and all that jazz, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I do my husbandly duty and I take her to a couple baseball games a year. I just do not care for baseball. So don't follow me on the Twitters and expect, you know, yay Cardinals. I, I, I do root for them. Uh, but the Blues are still playing just for the record. Hockey is still in, in season, which is what makes this time of year kind of difficult for me. Uh, <laughs> as you know, you, you fight over what you're watching on any given Friday night. So my 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 uh, marital problems are not your problems. So, uh, but go by our website if you would please. Avnation.tv, Avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. A uh, couple things we've got going on. Yes, I understand that Infocom is a little bit uh, out of the way right now. It's in October. I get that. However, um, one of the cool things about the um, um, the the kind of the moves that we've made here recently, I told you folks that that. Um, getting acquired by CTI is really going to help us do some things that we had not done in the past. This is one of those things. We are giving away five scholarships to end, to end users for Infocom. So Mitchell is going to put a fancy schmancy link on the, on this episode's page. If you go there and you click on it, tell me why you need to go to Infocom 2021 and I will pick up the tab uh, for five of you. Uh, so not all of you. There's a couple of you that I don't want to take up the tab to. Uh, no, there's, 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 it's a contest. It's a scholarship. Give me your best, you know, reason why it, it will impact you or your organization or your life. Uh, and even if it's just, you get to meet Charmaine Torella in person, because that's a fine answer right there. Uh, that might get you uh, on your way to Orlando. So yeah, go by there uh, and go by and check out our other uh, shows, uh, State of Control with my buddy Steve Greenblatt, uh, Resi Week with, uh, with Matt Scott and more. So all that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs> <laughs>